0: Though you may not hear about it as much as in other cities, the gang violence in Detroit is an issue. Make no mistake. It's heartbreaking. I did 15 years incarcerated.
1: Fortunately, I had an out date that I can get out here and live. A lot of guys won't get
0: that opportunity. Using one of the city's most notorious gangs, we'll take a look at what's being done to tamp down the violence. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Between 2008 and 2015, the Seven Mile Bloods gang caused unspeakable harm on the east side of Detroit, turning the 48205 zip code along the Seven Mile Corridor into a war zone.
2: Yeah, they terrorized the ninth Precinct on the east side of Detroit for that uh, seven-year period. The zip code there, 48205, was known as 4820 Die just because of the level of violence, the drive-by shootings, the gang warfare that was going on. They described it as the red zone, and it was probably the most dangerous area of Detroit at the time.
0: That right there, that is the voice of Mark Chutko. Mark is a former criminal division chief of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Detroit. He's now part of the Dyke McGossett law firm. Mark has experience prosecuting the Seven Mile Bloods, which we'll certainly get into, but what about somebody who actually knows what that gang life is like? Here's Philip's sample.
1: From a historical lens, Detroit was more of a place where, where the drug trade was more dominant than gang culture. In Chicago, LA is more gang culture. I come from Chicago. I brought structured gangism to the point 205 zip code in 1989. It was a beautiful suburb. Within two years, it was one of the most dangerous zip codes in the country.
0: In 1994, at the age of 18, Philip was convicted of three counts of assault with intent to commit murder and served 15 years in prison. These days, though, he's the founder and executive director of Raham Detroit. Raham is an acronym for Response, Able, Hands, and Minds. It is a group that uses education and compassion to help reduce gang violence in the city. I was curious as to how Philip, also known as Uchi Khan, got out of the gang life. His answer, it surprised me. How did you transition out of it? Because it seems getting into a gang is one thing, but getting out is another.
1: You know, I don't really
0: preach get out. I I preach reform. I do my work from the inside.
1: Um, I I would have never been able to relate to a person telling me what they used to be. So, you know, I know the power of being a part and partial. So for me, it's not about getting out. It's about what are you banging for? What are you representing? Are you taking care of the neighborhood that you died and going to hell for? Are you looking after the babies? Are you looking after the elders? If you look at all structure, gangs, blood, scripts, if you look in the literature, the community component is, is there already. I hate to use the term wannabes, right, who come from somewhere trying to do something that somebody else is doing. They don't have that literature component. That's what's missing, you know? In essence, it's actually the reason games were structured, to offset poverty, a sense of security, to protect the neighborhood. So it's not hard at all.
0: This story was inspired by the beginning of the trial of Billy Arnold, the accused leader of the Seven Mile Bloods. It began on Monday. In 2018, Robert Snell from the Detroit News did an amazing dive into Arnold and the Seven Mile Bloods in a piece called Death by Instagram. The gang was using their social media presence to intimidate other street gangs. Here's former U.S. Attorney Mark Chutko again.
2: They looked at it. They were trying to glamorize the uh, iron fist that they had over that neighborhood by making it look like that lifestyle was something to uh, be admired. So, they were selling opioids on the streets. They were involved in gang warfare with other rival gangs and got really enmeshed in the, the whole hip-hop culture. I wanted to make videos, Instagram, other sorts of social media that they used to try to instill fear in uh, both the other rival gangs, but frankly, the residents. And that was ultimately their undoing because the government was watching those social media posts just like their rival gangs were.
0: And it wasn't just Instagram. The Seven Mile Bloods can be found on YouTube in the form of rap videos, many by the Seven Mile Blood gang member Corey Bailey, also known as Cocaine Sonny. I was looking at some of the guys from the Seven Mile Bloods, and guys like Corey Bailey, I mean, they are not only in the gang life, but they're also in the rap game. I'm watching his video, not right now, but it's in front of me. I don't know if it's a recruitment-type tool, but that was really interesting to me, how the gang life streams into other things like rap music.
1: So let me make it very clear. I have several couple songs with Corey Bailey, one on the 4820. Mixtape called Thank God. And it's a different expression than what you would hear. It's actually a young man pleading to God about, you know, the wrong that he's done and that he feels he's been forced to do. Corey Bailey is a little brother of mine. I love him dearly and I hope that he don't have to spend lifetimes too
0: incarcerated. Corey Bailey is serving two life sentences plus 10 years after he and three other members of the gang were convicted on racketeering charges that include attempted murder and firearm charges. That racketeering term, what exactly is it? It's a good thing we're talking to a lawyer.
2: The racketeering laws came into play back in the 1970s. Notre Dame uh, Law profession had created it uh, basically to take down the mafia, in part because a lot of criminal gangs were, the higher-ups were insulated from a lot of the crime could not necessarily connect to a, a civil conspiracy where everybody had gotten together to say, let's do this. Instead, you were looking at a pattern of uh, criminal activity that different people undertook. And this law basically said, you know what, you're going to be held responsible for all of the acts of the group so long as you have been involved in this pattern of racketeering. started off with organized crime, with uh, mafia crime families, but then Probably about 15, 20 years ago, the federal government realized that it was also a tool against drug organizations and ultimately violent street gangs.
0: The consequences of gang life can be severe. You could lose your life or you could end up living the rest of your life in prison. Like Corey Bailey, what's it like? Seeing guys like Corey Bailey, whom you know and whom, you know, you spend a lot of time around, have their lives, for whatever reason, have their lives taken away from them like that.
1: Oh, it's heartbreaking. I did 15 years incarcerated myself. You know, fortunately, I had an out date that I can get out here and live my penance. As it stands, a lot of guys won't get that opportunity, you know, and and me just knowing him since he was a baby, I know his story. You know, he's just, you know, we just get bad rap sometimes. And we play into it and, and not realize that that's the moment can cost us our entire
0: life, you know, but it's hard, right? At this point, 19 members of the Seven Mile Bloods have been convicted of federal charges. Billy Arnold on trial now would make an even 20. I am not here to advocate for gang life and neither is Philip Sample, quite the opposite. But he did tell me there are some elements of gang life that can be used to help the community, whether you believe it or not uh look out for the neighborhood, period. The neighborhood is the you know, the term neighborhood.
1: A hood is a thing on the back of a jacket or a coat and you put it on and you pull it up, you know, in, in inclement weather or something like that. So a hood in and of itself is protection. You know what I mean? Like um when when I'm on my block I don't have to worry about nothing. You know what I mean? When I go somewhere else then I'm free game. So it's all about the hood. You know what I mean? Uh, Take Seven Mile Blood, for example. The beginning of the name is the neighborhood. Seven Mile. You know, it's just a small part of Seven Mile. Contrary to common belief, you know, it's still the neighborhood.
0: Seeing as Phil is the one that's out there doing the work to help improve the city, I figured I'd ask him, what's next? We do things in the heat of the moment. We make snap judgments, especially when we're angry. And in certain situations, those judgments, like you said, can last a second, but they can cost you a lifetime. How do you talk to people about that? It's so difficult to control your emotions.
1: Well, you know, it, it has to be taught. We never taught impulse control. We would talk from the womb. You, you know, you get hit, you hit back. You know, we've we never seen examples of impulse control. So a part of engaging in youth is, is
0: that piece. Where do we go from here, Phil? Like, what's next? I mean, you're out there on the front lines doing the good work. Where do we go from here? I always say
1: it if I can refocus and get on the fight of the good side or fight the good fight, you know, meaning for my children, my elders, my community, if I can do it, then anybody can do it. I, I was. The worst of the worst, right? So I see an army of God coming from this. I mean, it may sound fleeting. I believe that what we're going through in the streets is a preparation for something. I don't know necessarily what that is. I think the soldiers are being shaped in the mud.
0: There have been multiple episodes of The Daily J about the connection between gangs, violence, and the youth of Detroit. Gangs offer something very valuable to people who are lost. Structure. A family. To fix the gang problem in Detroit, kids have to have a better option than a gang to support them. Thank you both to Mark Chutko and Philip Sample for sharing knowledge with us today. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the work of our digital team. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. If you have questions, comments, or concerns about The Daily J, we want to hear them. Send us an email to dailyj at odyssey.com. That's dailyj at A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Our theme music is written and produced by Ozone Music and Sound in Southfield. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.